It's time to rethink everything, to redo the rulebook, to explore smarter ways to work and rediscover what's possible. It's time for a fresh take on how technology and creativity are changing the way work gets done. I'm Barry Ross, and this is The Big Rethink. As we head into the new year, we have a special episode for you today. We're taking a look back at a few of our favorite episodes that highlight the past year's trends and some of the most exciting predictions from our great guests. Let's start with the ever-changing workforce, since it's a hot topic on everyone's minds. I'll kick it off with this episode where I sat down with Senior Research Analyst for Enterprise Mobility at IDC, Brian Bassett. You know, we talked about, okay, what are the red flags, but can you... You know, without giving away too much of your secret sauce, you know, can you give examples of, you know, some successful technology that it doesn't have to be your research, but that initial research kind of supported, right? That we're just like, wow, this is going to be big. And it worked out. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I'll, I'll use the example I used earlier in the show. It kind of put me out of the job at my first career <laughs> was as soon as I saw Spotify uh, hit right. the market, I said, that makes sense. I got to find a new job. Great example. Um, But uh, in recent years, one that really kind of stuck out to me, and it's not particularly, um, well, it is hardware-based, but um, enterprise deployment programs. So the ability to basically bulk enroll uh, smartphones, tablets, rugged devices, and deploy them out to uh, organizations you know, basically hands-free. You kind of order the device through a portal online, um, all the company policies are applied to it, depending on what program you're using, like Apple device enrollment program or Samsung Knox or yeah. Knox mobile enrollment, Android Zero Touch, these sort of things. Um, I noticed a couple of years ago that people were having a real pain point in trying to get their devices out to their employees. Um, provisioning devices in the past has been largely Huge. a very manual process. Uh, that's, again, what I was doing prior to, to IDC. Was that's right. So I know firsthand how how hard and time consuming that can be. Um, but then also ensuring that those devices have all the proper security protocols on them or policies. You're hitting um, it. Yep. The device arrives at the employee's desk or or job site, wherever they are. They open it up, turn it on, and the device automatically enrolls itself over the air. Um, those types of solutions have existed, but really it's been the past couple of years or so that it's really caught on in the enterprise and it's, you know, majority of enterprises are using it right now. Um, and that's one of the technologies that really, from a deployment perspective, I think is kind of a game changer. Great discussion, especially as we continue to see more technology deployments to support the remote workforce. Next up, the food service industry. Here, my fellow host, Susan Campbell, talks with Forbes and Restaurant Dive contributor, Alicia Kelso, about how this is an exciting time for the restaurant industry, despite pandemic disruptions. You know, like I said earlier, it's fast paced and there's so much going on all the time. Yeah, fast food used to be about fast cooking, right? Now Mm -hmm. it's about fast technology and fast changing. And that's cool. It's exciting time to be in this space for sure. It is. Yeah, it's 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 really interesting what's going on. It's it's uh, it's gutting. It's heart wrenching. um, You know what's been happening in the past six months. 
Um, this space, as long as I've been covering it for the, you know, like I said, 10 years, it's always been exciting. Um, and, and right now, just because it's, you know, down, that doesn't change that. Um, it's different, but it doesn't change the general excitement surrounding the industry. Uh, we just saw that innovation and that creativity, and we're, we're continuing to see that six months into this pandemic. Yes. Um, so I think the one thing that's interesting, too, about the restaurant industry is everybody relates to it. Oh, absolutely. Every, everybody eats out. Everybody's got a story. Everybody has an opinion about this menu item or that that fast food chain. And, oh, and yeah. also, I think what gets lost, too, is, you know, the fast food industry is the second largest private uh, private sector employer in the U.S., and so millions, of, tens of millions of people got their stars. So people might have an opinion about a menu item or a restaurant chain, but they also, many of them also have a story about working. And they, they definitely are turning to technology too. I mean, who would have thought food lockers, right? <laughs> I thought I left lockers in high school, but... The situation we find ourselves in these days has really accelerated the role of technology in the quick serve restaurant business. I and mean, how are the different brands dealing with that? And what does that look like? Yeah, uh, that's that's a great question. And actually, you know, um, I, it, it is such a great privilege to be able to talk to you know these executives in the industry as often as I as I do, and then you know further to sit on these uh, quarterly earnings calls to hear high level. Um, you know, discussions about what's happening. And, you know, by and large, the biggest narrative is, is, is this acceleration that you talked about. And a number of brands were, were uh, you know, either thinking about this or just kind of starting to uh, implement some of these things prior, uh, you know, for example, 2018, 2019, the forward thinking ones. Um, but, it, but the, you know, this crisis has really accelerated that, you know, by two or three years. And, and what that means is, you know, these, it, most of this is technology driven. Um, uh, you know, we're, we're seeing order ahead more, mm-hmm. um, you know, obviously delivery has been a big story. Uh, curbside and carryout is, has, uh, we, we saw Panera actually add curbside and like, I think, I think they said six weeks. Um, wow. and then, you know, the food lockers and, 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 and shelves or shelves too. Um, that was something that was sort of in the works by some of these smaller startup type restaurant companies. Like you think of a sweet green, um, mm-hmm. that were coming along and getting a ton of investment money and disrupting the system. Now that's being utilized by bigger brands because of that whole idea of contactless, um, and speed. And then, of course, ghost kitchens has been a, a big uh, topic of discussion, too. So all these things are facilitated right. by technology with the idea that customers either can't dine in because of, uh, you know, because of jurisdictional uh, regulations or they're anxious to dine in, uh, right. which we're seeing a, a great number of c- customers are still uh, still have that trepidation. Right. Um, you know, and, and this is a way that restaurants have had to sort of pivot, um, you know, basically to survive. I loved her take and all the transformations happening in quick service. Now let's pivot to another industry that's seeing major transformations, manufacturing. In this episode, I discuss topics from Industry 4.0 to IoT 
with my colleague, Sean Robinson, Senior Product Manager for Process Automation at Panasonic. Here's one of my favorite points. How do you think Industry 4.0 can impact manufacturing jobs? I know it's a loaded question, but mm -hmm. what's your sense? My sense is that um, what you're going to find is that it's going to take some time to be able to get to the point of a lights out factory, right? Uh, and that the digitalization process is going to happen in steps. And in the meantime, as this is happening, what you need most is you're going to have uh, curious employees who are wanting to learn, who can work together in a dynamic environment, who can evolve from maybe doing one task one day to doing different tasks in the future. Mm. Uh, and, you know, uh, I think that that's going to be key. It may not even be so much skill-based as much as it is your willingness and ex how excited you are to jump into the new technology as new things are introduced. Uh, the digital transformation uh, journey means different things to different customers. Right. Uh, and, you know, one customer might be focused on quality. The next customer might be focused on, uh, you know, automating their material management system and so on. So uh, what's key is that you need, you're still going to need people, and those people are going to have to, A, want to be excited and flexible <laughs> in, right. uh, in, in adopting this transformation. Because the truth is, this stuff's really cool. Once you get down and you see what's possible, uh, it really is breathtaking and exciting. You know, I never have a problem getting up any day to right. uh, do my job. And uh, so, uh, but, but it is an exciting new world for sure. Finally, to close us out, we're going to dive into the transformations happening within the art world. On this episode, host Susan Campbell sat down with Carmen Zella, founder of Now Arts, to discuss how technology is making digital art more accessible. So what advice would you give other curators or artists that are interested in, in looking into incorporating technology into their work? I mean, this has got to spark some inspiration in some folks. What, what advice would you offer? So I think it's really important to, um, to be the, the way that I consult and I curate is just really in a collaborative environment, listening, thinking bigger. Um, you know, you mentioned before, you know, uh, about like what the technology companies can do, um, to, to support art. The association that we had, uh, the opportunity that we had, the similar to the opportunity that Warhol had with um, with Commodore International, was really having these technology partners as collaborators at the table, so that there can be exploration and there can be, um, you know, mutual uh, innovation and in forging out what I consider to be like a very uncharted territory in terms of technology and art in the public realm. Mm -hmm. Also, I think it's, it's, um, making sure that technology is an enhancer of the art, the way that Joseph Young's Triforium, he, he wasn't leaning into the technology because technology will shift. It's, it's a, 
ongoing conversation. There's an evolution that will continually happen. And so being able to create artwork that understands that ethos and that positions itself so that it's not um, a disqualifier for the artwork being viable or, you know, um, able to continue to be seen or shown is really important. And I think that's really at the crux of everything. enjoyed looking back at these conversations as much as I did and came away with a few new insights for the upcoming new year. If you want to hear the full episodes, they're available on our website or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can help us grow by visiting our feed on iTunes to rate, review, and subscribe. Or if you're listening on Spotify, be sure to hit follow. That's it for us. I'm Barry Ross, and that was another episode of The Big Rethink.